I'm Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC and Aaron Fintel discuss the current commodity equipment markets and whether or not we're in a bubble and how long this streak might last, comparing current conditions to what we saw leading up to and in 2012. Before we head over to Casey, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Premus by Basic Software, for making this podcast series possible. Are you tired of not having the ability to access your business outside of the office? Premus by Basic Software Systems is a web-based responsive software that puts your business in your hands with full access from anywhere, anytime. No limited apps and no other connections required, just internet access. Wouldn't you love to see the data you want with one simple click or tap? With Premus, customize your views to show exactly what you want to see, when you want to see it, and the system's multiple layers of data allow you to go deeper with your information. Premus truly is your business system in your pocket. To learn more, visit www.basic-software.com slash Premus. this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. Okay, let's get things going. Here's Casey and Aaron discussing the current market conditions. So Aaron and I have been kicking around the idea of what to do, and I've had more than one conversation with people about this particular bubble of sorts that we're in right now. This uh, the the balloon is getting uh, getting blown up as we as we speak rapidly, and and what does that look like? So I've had conversations of all oh, this is short lived. Um, we don't see how this can possibly keep happening. Uh, blah, 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 blah. It's only been, you know, seven years since the last gargantuan spike and in, in what have you and whatnot. Um, I've also had the other side of the camp that this looks like a prolonged thing. And really, no matter what happens with the amount of used inventory leaving the marketplace right now, there, there's going to be a void there that will get, you know, have some time to get filled back up. Aaron, what kind of conversations have you been having about the situation that we're in right now? Well, most of my daily world is just in the middle of the bubble. So I don't get very, very in depth with, is it a bubble? Is it kind of a norm? Are we a plateau? Is it a spike? I don't get into a lot of that because I'm all day, every day, every minute of the day inside the bubble. Um, Just personal thought, they find all these magical acres, right? Which they found them all again this year. They're four and a half million acres short. Huh? They're four and a half million acres short. Not, I'm talking the projected planning. Yeah. So they're, they're like a mythical four and a half million acres that didn't have a name. Oh, right, right. But that's what I'm getting at is things go way up and it's all all of a sudden there's all these acres. And like I saw a few guys mentioning the other day, that's because, okay, you have take my childhood operation, for instance. You're going to dedicate even some good ground to feed, you know, oat hay, pea hay, you know, sedan grass. It's not all crop production. Now, you get up into these prices, well, we'll just buy some, 
we'll buy hay because we're going to plant high dollar corn, high, high dollar soybeans, you know, but so that's, that's where some people think a lot of that's coming from. A lot of it is CRP. Unfortunately, I hate saying that because a lot of CRP is CRP for a reason. <laughs> but I mean, it doesn't habitat. Ex- there you yeah. go. Exactly. But I mean, that's <laughs> just like you were saying, you see a lot of different angles with it. Personal thought is I don't see it lasting super long at all just because the American farmer is just absolutely the best there is at his job. And we're just going to bang everything full. And well, that was fun. What do we do next year? Yep. Yeah. I think I I am of the opinion that I I could see this having a three year effect on the marketplace. Really. If you take a look at what happened in, um, in 2012, kind of go back historically the buildup from 2009 to 2012 was pretty pretty big and even with all the but but it was steady right it was a steady climb this is like overnight yeah but but okay but the problem with the overnight thing right now is the fact that nobody was ready for it well the the steady that's the the, steady that's the overnight part Aaron. thanks for being on the (laughs) podcast the slow and steady part of that 2000 9, 10, 11, 12 run was that it was steadily growing. There was a lot of things happening. China was buying a bunch. They were really growing. The outside markets were in shambles because that's a 2008 deal. So there should have been no reason for interest rates to, I mean, it's just things were just so good. I mean, interest rates were bad. I mean, they're throwing all these different things at us. They had all these different Section 179, you know, all those things came through. Those kind of things all happened. But there was a steady increase. And what happened then, boom, 2012 happens, right? Epic drought. The national average, I think, was like 125 or 135 or something like that. 50 to 60 bushels an acre below the normal average. Right. You know what I mean? So now you start talking about that. Now, the reason there was such a, a... Colossal jump in, in price. It was had nothing to do with anything other than the USDA found there was like so prevent plant means they don't plant anything. Is that what that means? Like, now I'm finally captioning on. Oh, okay, so cool. So we don't have as much corn as we thought we did. There we don't go. have as many soybeans as we thought we did. What what Brazil did what? They sold every soybean to China they possibly could. Now they don't have any of their own. Okay, cool. World stocks around the world are as tight as they've ever been. Like, so tight that right now, a cough, a cough turns in to full-blown pneumonia by the end of the week, right? I mean, that's so, it's so tight. So one, one minor hiccup, one little thing out there that disrupts the overall planning cycle, some crazy thing happens with harvest, some weird thing happens in the middle, like whether it's a drought or early freeze or whatever, you know. Well, okay. Right. Point on that, right? I just spent a day and a half in our neighbors to the south. Uh-huh. A liberal place to be, if you will. 
Oh, you're in Colorado. Yes. <laughs> there you go. I'm tracking. I thought like your neighbor, like South neighbor, like just down the road. No, no. <laughs> like, no. wow, where's that at? <laughs> That's why he said our neighbors. Yeah. It's the same neighbor. I should have just said I was in Colorado. I was, tra- I was trying I was trying to pretty cool. Try to pretty it up a little bit. Yeah. Radio ads about now make sure you continue to wear your mask mm-hmm. to protect yourself against the other strains of COVID that are developing. Like, how damn long is this going to go on? So, there you go. They're already, like, you're talking about something happening, the slightest thing, derailing things, and that's why it's not going to be short-lived, right? Right. Well, there you go. Case in point. What what have we been dealing with for over a year now? The Rona. Yeah. Everywhere, all day, all right. the time. I think I think the coronavirus has has settled down to a point where, I mean, Grant, don't get me wrong. There's states out there that are just now just now opening up to where, I mean, to be honest with you, here in Scotts Bluff and and in the, the Panhandle, of Nebraska. I mean, I don't think the really thing ever really changed. I mean, no. yeah, we had that shutdown thing, and we did all those kind of things this time last year where we were kind of going through all that, but. You know, really, <clears throat> mask mandates and those kind of things are, are really a thing of the past. I mean, right. there's some places you still wear them, those kind of things, but um, obviously in nursing homes and those kind of things. But, you know, <laughs> what I'm talking about more is when supply is as tight as it is, and I mean, really from all the what I've read and what I've seen out there and, and the guys that are on the podcast – you know, Chip Nellinger and Sean Hackett, those guys. I mean, really, if we have a if we have a normal yield, normal growing season, and everything's come back, we're not really like going to have a bunch of carry out. Yeah, that's true. You and, know what I mean? and I think I think it was Chip I saw say this that we are almost at a hundred percent use rate, right? Yeah, and given time of year, whatever, we're way over. Very rarely are we way under. So if we're way over and never way under, by the time you stretch that through the whole year, explain this one thing to me, okay? We use everything we can grow, and we're trying to grow more and more and more. And you have all the marketing about 2050 and feeding the world, you know, and all that. Why isn't it? Just if if you take all of that and make one stew out of it, okay, why isn't it just to be Bill Gates to grow corn? Like they are forcing money at me to grow this. You lost me on that whole thing. Because, okay, if we're using everything, right. why is corn ever not $10? Well, it's a it's a commodity base. It's a it's a supply and demand driven. I know, thing. but the supply is taken. But here's the thing, though: you're relying on one agency to do that. It wasn't until January of 2020 that they finally, finally, or 2021, finally, the USDA realized, like, I guess in 2019 when we got all that rain, you can't grow corn in a flood, right? Uh, Wow. No, I, I, I mean, know. that's the point, though. I mean, yeah. like, they just now, like, fixed all of that. 
had they done all of that and fixed all that stuff and did everything they would have had. Now, we had so many things happen during that time frame. Coronavirus drove down every market there was, right? Corn was at three dollars. I was like, am I gonna see two ninety nine today? You know what I mean? Like that's that's what it was. Oil was like, come just take it. Right. I'm willing to pay you thirty six dollars to come yeah. to come pick it up. Yeah. Right? Like go swipe your card and just right. let the pump run on the ground. Yeah. Here, I mean, all the cattle and those kind of things. I mean, I mean, right. all of that stuff. And then it went from that to where we're at today. That was in, what was that, May? March? April, May? Sometime like in that time frame? What's that? The shutdown was March. Right, but that, that huge collapse in the marketplace. I mean, it was like. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's been about a year ago. So here we go. A year ago, you're, you're doubling prices almost, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you're at. You're almost a six dollar corn, front month corn. You're almost a six dollar corn. I got to go back and look and see what December corn looks like right now. But it's it's like four seventy five, I think, if I remember right, something like that. So it's it's in that range somewhere, but it's doubling. And and that front month corn and soybeans and all those kind of things. There's that discount between the December and November contracts, and you see that, and you start looking at these these disconnects and what we see that's just like the next month now is now what the previous month was we're going to add 10 cents to it right right that's how it's going so now on the flip side of all this had this report come out we had corn go up limit up we had soybeans go limit up wheat went limit I mean, everything was limit up limit up limit up limit up i think friday if i remember correctly and today is the third of april if I remember right, on Friday, when I looked at the board when it closed, beans were down like thirty-six cents. You know what I mean? So there's that's that volatility that we're seeing there. So right. the reason I think that that we have this thing here, even if commodity prices pick up and things go the way they're going, and and we start seeing a, we see a contraction in the commodity marketplace, with the amount of used equipment that's been sold at market over the last six months. There's there's enough space in there, enough of a void that you can pile it back up in there, and you've got about three years of time to get back to where we were. If things went back to the way they were 2017, 18, 19, right? That you would have three yeah. three years of space now that we've that we have eroded out of the user equipment marketplace, which in this particular case, this erosion is good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so when you've taken that this this chunk, this glut, this 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 clog in the funnel out of the used equipment marketplace, and you've moved it out, what you've actually done is you've opened up space to regenerate that normal trade cycle again. Now, you've got guys that can they can start talking about the the one year old guy is always going to be there, the two to three year guy, the, the five to seven year guy. All these different things now start are, have that room to redevelop and grow back into what we know as a normal trade cycle in the used equipment marketplace. Other than the fact that, and I've seen it nationwide, a lot of people are jumping on the 2012 trade cycle. Right, right. (laughs) 
And, oh man, we got yeah. five bucks. Get that new seven eighty on order now. I think the the one thing about this, and I don't want to be the, the Debbie Downer here. That's that's the. Well, I think I already took that crown for the <laughs> night. I've I've been pretty damn pessimistic for for a uh, Johnny Rainbow all my, the time. My biggest fear that I have right now for the twenty twenty one growing cycle and how that's going to affect prices and and in fact, in fact, go back and then you know affect what we see happening in the in the marketplace is unlike 2012 we had a lot of rain in the spring 2012 right the problem with 2012 well certain areas did pretty much everybody did you had a pretty you had a pretty healthy amount of rain come through in the spring what happened there was it went from being because you don't remember like 2012 so if you go back to like 11 10 9 heavy wet springs yeah cool temperatures you know really got stuff going not a lot of stress give them put you know 20 and then you had a decent amount of rain throughout three years but 2012 comes that same cycle starts out and, and it then stops they shut the faucet off and like oh by the way now we're going to turn the temperature up to four billion degrees right <clears throat> High five. <laughs> Good luck to you. You know what I mean? And that's that's really what that's what happened in 2012. Oh yeah. This year, if you take a look at where we're at now is I just remember I will forever, since this is about machinery yeah. and whatnot. Two things. Every time we talk about commodities, mm-hmm. I just my curiosity in December almonds never <laughs> ceases to end. These nuts. It yeah. does. Yeah, it makes it sense. Does. Yeah. And the best thing about 2012 was mm-hmm. you could not have enough choppers on your lot. No, you couldn't. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. It was I just absolutely adored every second of that. Yeah. Oh, you got that old John Deere 38 in the tree row and a two row wide head. We'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> well, sign here. Yeah. So the big difference to me when you look at 2012 versus now is that Depending on where you're in the country, you've had some decent snowfall over the over the uh, over the winter months, but it hasn't been enough, right? Yeah, you're planning into some decent moisture now. Like we had a hell of a storm come through here where we got whatever we got a foot or a better of heavy, heavy, heavy wet snow, but with like an inch and a half of rain before. Yeah, I mean, some guys are getting like five, six, seven inches of moisture out of the storm, right? Which is still like. Counting from like January, Ju- July first of last year till now, we got That's six it. inches of rain. You know <laughs> yeah, I mean? that is it. You know what I mean? So I mean, it's it's one of those things where we're planting into some some drier conditions than what we've seen in the past. And you know, if we do have this this drought, can you watch drought maps? And that drought map, there's like a hard line between like right down the middle of Minnesota, Iowa. Missouri, like there's a hard line there. If you're east of that line, you've got hey, you're good to go. If you're west of that line, all the way to China, you know you're 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 dry. Yeah, and that's the worst part. You know, it is the entire western half of the country. Right, the whole thing. Right. When you look at the drought monitor, it's all at least tan. A hell of a lot of it's red. Right, red. And some of those they've brought in, they've had to come up with new colors. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, so, I mean, I guess my, my point is, I, I think there's a... Congratulations, Four Corners. <laughs> this week, you're burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new joke here. It's like, you guys are burnt orange. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
We'll get back to Casey and Aaron in a moment, but first I wanted to pause to thank our sponsor, Primus by Basic Software. To learn more about what Primus can do for your dealership, visit www.basic-software.com slash Primus. Now back to Casey and Aaron as they continue their discussion on what a drought could mean for the current equipment market. So there's some differences there. So if we do continue on this path and we run into this really big, epic drought thing, I mean, it's going to be worse than 2012. Yeah. Really excited about it, yeah. given the fact that I do a lot of dryland grass hay. Yeah. So it's pretty awesome. But but that doesn't, I mean, so how does that affect the used equipment marketplace? I mean, everybody wants a drought except for on your farm. Right. You know what I mean? So now if corn jumps way up and it's $8 again or whatever, and we hit this big number again, and we got, you know, 16 and 17, $18 beans again, I don't know how to say this without just saying it like this. Higher prices aren't aren't necessarily good, right? I mean, yeah, that's great because you get to put a bunch of money in your pocket, but everything else comes up with it, right? Right. I mean, input costs go up, and instantly. I mean, all instantly. these all these things that happen. I mean, you see equipment prices go up. I mean, all these different things, and not just new equipment because that that's that's a whole different thing that has nothing to do with anybody else, but all the manufacturers. Right. I mean, that's how, they have R and D costs are trying to get back. They've got. Just supply costs, and this year of all, especially, still surcharges. I mean, right. holy crap, right? Well, ma- manufacturers don't bounce. Oh, corn went up, so your right. tractor went up 4%. Right. No, it doesn't work that way, or no. you could never sell anything as right. a dealer. Exactly. Well, we ordered this last month, but you guys are way behind, and oh, it got here, and it's twice as much. Right. No. Yeah. What happens is what what really caused the 2014, 2015, 2016 problem that we had happen really was the fact that price of commodities were so high that why would I buy a used one I can afford? I can really buy that new one now. Right. I told you we're going to buy that new combine and that new track and that new sprayer all in one year. By God, this is the year we're going to do it. Yeah. Two, two thousand twelve was the year a one thousand acre guy yeah. did a multi unit deal. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but yeah, they have uh, the, you know, those are the kind of things that happen when you when you really step back and you put that 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 whole thing in perspective. The used equipment problem that we had during that time frame wasn't because there weren't buyers coming to the market to buy stuff. They just weren't in the market to buy something used. Right. They're in the market like, wow, no. You know, I got got the tax benefit for it. I got this. I got that. I'm buying that. And, uh, you know, I I think we we could see the same thing happen again, but in a different way to where there's not, since there's not the used volume out there that we've seen in the past, I think that there's an opportunity that we'd have this, kind of overarching issue pop up that there's not enough manufacturing space to build the new, to feed the supply that want people want to come in. And there's not enough used to come in to fit in that gap. So wh- what are we, where are we, h- how does that line cross? Is that one to yeah. two stuff becomes so expensive now that, that people don't want to buy it. They're just going to hold out and wait six, eight months, nine months, whatever it is to get that new one in or that, that part you know, shouldn't happen. If you, if you have so much demand for new, 
You shouldn't have a but they're looking at spike in one year old, the one or two year old. The price. I'm talking about the price, not the volume. No, I know. I'm, that's what I'm talking about too. But I'm saying like there's not enough one year old, two year old. The shortage will make them crazy high. Right. So now am I looking at this going like, okay, you want. All right. First of all, in the machinery business, shortage should never make anything crazy high. It'll give it a premium. Like when we talked about combines and I refuse to agree that any combine is premium. It will give it a premium. But if anybody, and that's, that's up to the dealer who's trading it, right? If they think that, oh, well, we can't get any new ones, so this thing's made out of gold. Okay. Well, there it sits. So what's the one thing I talk about here all the time, this, the canary and the coal mine? What, what am I always talking about? The auction values. Okay. Right? right. So auction value. If I'm looking at an auction value, and these auction value prices are bringing the same dollar value. As dealer asked. As dealer asked, or more, Right. To me, that that's an explosive market. That is a you know blowing the top off the market type of deal. But that's not everything across the board. That's select items. Right. It's that one to two year old stuff that we don't know it has. I mean, every auction you've watched so far. No. What's worse is the two thousand the tractor we always talk about that I always complain about hmm. the two to four. In the used marketplace, that is the hottest tractor right this second. The two to four thousand hour tractor. Yep. Okay. So the tractor that you always say, I think, I think, you've always kind of propped it up, and I'm like, dude, that thing, mm -mm, get it out of here. It's a sweet spot, brother. It is the sweetest spot right now. Right. But here, but the, the thing, what I'm trying to get to you at is that one to two year old machine. Every auction mark, every auction that we watch so far, every auction that we watch. Right, every one of them, the stuff that is sold for lots of money, where we are like, holy crap! We watch this stuff every day, and I—that's way more than I thought we'd ever see right. anything happen. Right, <laughs> but if we watch these things happen, those machines that really blew our minds were the machines. They were the 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 unicorns of the time. Right. Yeah. Right. They were that two hundred fifty hour combine. They were the. 350 hour tractor, they were the, you know, whatever, you know, those things. And they brought tons and tons and tons of money. The point I'm making back to this, is there a, a bubble of sorts happening in this one-year-old marketplace because of how far out we're looking at, at that new equipment across the board? Are they going to get to the point where the guy goes, you know what, if you want, if I can buy a new one for X and you want Y for your used one, I'll just wait for the new ones. Until, until, there's a reason everybody's short. Brings up my point earlier. Well, that's your supply and demand crew have to come together. And the Rona thing. Until every factory building, every part that goes into every machine is back to 100% normal, they're going to be behind. Yeah, and that's the point. But, but And it might be valve stems. Right. Because so, that comes out of California and they're social distancing until 2050. <laughs> so let's, let's put this in perspective. All right. If you have a one-year-old tractor that's got 250 hours on it, 300 hours on it, whatever it is, and you want, hypothetically, you want whatever, $350,000 for it, right? And I can order a brand new one 
Gonna order that brand new con- or new tractor right now. Same horsepower range, everything about the same. It's just a year or two new or whatever it is. And this one's three fifty. This one over here is four hundred fifty thousand bucks, right? There's a hundred thousand dollars there, right? Now, hundred thousand dollars in the in when you break that down and when you how you look at that, if you I'm, I'm talking at so forgive me here, I'm talking at zero percent interest, which interest rates are, are coming up. That's the other thing that you got to factor into all this. Correct, time, right? But you said at zero percent over five years, that hundred thousand dollars that's that's twenty thousand bucks a year, right? If you factor in three percent interest into that, you're going to be probably closer to twenty thirty thousand dollars ish a year. You know, somewhere in that range, twenty eight to thirty two thousand dollars a year, somewhere in that range. Rough math in my head here, but so if you're if you're kind of factoring all those things into play, is somebody going to say, okay, you're already going to clip me for sixty or Sixty or seventy thousand dollars a year here, right? Is eighty-eight thousand dollars a year going to make a difference enough for me to say I want to buy the used one today, or am I going to wait and get the new one when it comes in? Well, the problem with that is it's exaggerated because nothing one or two years old is that far back of a new one. That's why I use hypothetically. Right. right. But that's what I'm getting at is the gap is even closer. I think it's going to come down to the first thing it's going to come down to, what's he trading? Right. If he's a one-year-old guy, he's not trading that. Plus, that's kind of irrelevant. If he's a one-year-old guy, it's worked out two or three years ahead of time anyway. But if he is a... Trade in three-year-old, five-year-old. Maybe he does that, and that I've seen that happen a lot. I'll trade for this now. Let's go ahead and order my other one. I want it a year from now. Let's get it on order to make sure it exists. And what are we going to trade for then? You just did two tractor deals right then and there. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, I've seen that happen a million times, too. And that guy... He went that used route because it's there, you know, it's there right now. I can touch it. It's not, um, you know, in a computer somewhere it exists. It's there. I can touch it. It's real. He goes that route because he was trading in even a three-year-old. He just jumped two years like, well, that's not what we do, but it'll work, you know. Right. Maybe this one has a few more options that they don't order, but yeah, that's all right, you know. Yeah. No, I mean I, I agree with all that, and I think that's that's a that's a perfect scenario. But just like in 2012, 20, I mean, our problem in twenty ten and two thousand nine wasn't the fact that we had old combines. Our problem is that we had just a mountain of combines that were 250 hours. Our problem is we had as many trucks as could fit on I-80 rolling into stores every day with new 70 series combines. Yeah, that was true too, but I was also like we also had a problem getting rid of, I mean, there's just there's this myth in this business that that there's never been a tractor problem, you know, and that, that this, 
Oh, there is, and, and we we have it. The problem is, you have tractor problems. You have tractor problems every year. The more I think about it, the difference is tractor problems are so damn easy to fix compared to combine problems. Sometimes I feel like in this industry that you know that old Jay Z song. I got 99 tractor problems, but a combine ain't one. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like that's what this whole thing is, and that's just not true. I mean, there's there are tractor issues out there. Yeah. They they might not be as prolonged. There might not be this drought and this this like sustained issue that we see in combines year in, year out, but there are tractor problems that come. You know, the problem is this. Other than you take, say, a 10-store dealer, pretty common, right? Average, maybe. You take a 10-store dealer. That dealer is selling, how many new combines are they going to sell a year? Not I mean, not 12 and not now, but normal. I mean, it just depends on where they're at and what they're doing. But, I mean, I would, I would guess somewhere between 30 and 50. Okay, we'll go with 50. Okay. We'll max it out, right? They sell 50 new combines. That, out of all 50 of those combines, the 50 first trades that come in, there is less, there's five or less that are, I got to have that combine. With tractors, way less to do with that. That's why if you have a tractor problem, it's easy to fix. It's easier to fix. Easier to fix, yes. yes. It's still, no, I'll say it's easy to fix. It's easier to fix. No, it's easy to fix. But here's, here's, the, here's the thing. Every dealer on the planet sits back and is like, you know what? We'll just take these combines or these tractors or these whatever, and we'll go sell them to other dealers because we're on the island someplace, and we have this, we have, we're the only one with this problem. We're the only one with this whatever, right? If... Let's go, let's go back six months to a 4,000-hour – well, the same tractor right now you said that was a hot, the hot tractor, that 2,000 4,000-hour tractor. Okay. Right? Let's go back in time six months, eight months. Not as hot of a deal. No. Almost not. I mean, it was really the point where, like, sure, like someone to come talk to me about a – yeah, like I wish whatever. it was a seven thousand hour, ninety thousand dollar tractor, right? Or a thousand hour, two hundred and seventy thousand dollar tractor, exactly, right? So now you fast forward in time, some money's coming up, a little more conservative. People are watching the commodity prices. Like, do you remember six months ago, corn was three bucks, right? Right. right. right? Now it's whatever you know, it's almost six bucks, right? Yeah. So guys are going like. But also, commodity prices jumped way up. I mean, not like someone was like, you know what? I think I'm going to hold out to March because I feel like commodity prices are going to jump then. Right. I'm going to double my money. Right. Like, no, I mean, more people sold 370 corn. Oh, yeah. Than they sold $5 corn. Right. Oh, yeah. More people sold 370 corn than sold 375 corn. Right. Right. Okay. I mean, this is so, I mean, I think when you look at the grand picture thing, there's just, I just, I hear this myth that there, we never have a tractor problem, tractor problem, tractor. It's not true, man. There's, there's so many, I can give you so many historical points that show tractor problems as big as combine problems. But tractor problems are easier to fix. They, they heal those, they, they come back 
it's a shorter span of time. Because they're used all year? I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, if you go back and look at your your cyclical, your your cycles of the tractor market, when you look at it cyclically. They're shorter. Oh, yeah. They're way shorter. They are just boom, boom. It's peaks and valleys. It's yeah. not. It's a W curve, dude. These bit, yeah. There you go. It's a W curve. Yep. Combines are more of a just kind of like a, they, they just kind of linger, you know? You, nobody, works. they're still trying to develop a screen big enough to get to the bottom of that first part of the combine W curve, but they can't. That's that's not true either. So I mean, there's 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 all there's all kinds of stuff out there that I can show. The world's you where best computer people are trying to find where the bottom of that W goes. There's there's plenty of opportunities out there where where the combine market is not. It's not the devil people want to make it out to be. Okay, who do you know intimately that sells a lot of combines and is sitting three feet from you? Okay, okay, all right. The combine market sucks until there is a day where it's like, God, I wish we had more one-year-old 780s. I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you that the combine marketplace is not a struggle. And it's never going to be better. It's I, I'm not going to argue that with you. I'm not saying that it's gumdrops and candy canes and I'm the only one that sees the gumdrops and candy. I'm not saying that. What I'm telling you is the combine market problem that we have is – Again, when we talked about this the first time, the combine is the most homogenous thing that we can put on on the place, on a, on a farm. Right? Real quick, I would like to give a shout out to my two buddies who emailed me and said, dude, I'm so glad you brought that up because I didn't know what the hell homogenized mean either. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> but when you put those things out there and you're really paying attention to what that, that is, the combine market is a, it's a, it's, you have to hit, you have to hit the trade cycles when they're available to be hit. Right? So what I'm saying to you is that when you have that one year old combine that comes in and you go out and you, and you put it on rent or you loan it or do whatever, you're doing that during peak cycle time. Right? So if it doesn't go anywhere, it sits till the next peak cycle time. And then you put it back on, on rent or loan or whatever else again, which you're taking care of a customer and I understand all that. But don't hate the combine because you took it out of took it all out right. of time to sell. I'm the most anti-rental human on earth, so why are you throwing that at me? But what I'm saying is that's if you look at <laughs> if you look at any age I know. If you look at there's only two reasons why a combine is still sitting on your lot. Unavailable. It's either, it's either price wrong or it's unavailable. Yep. And I we have a combine right now that I could have sold four times last fall, but it was getting the thirteen five pip done, mm-hmm. and now it's wrong. So that's what it comes down. So to. that both become the same. And it's been my experience in this business is that when combine buyers come to buy a combine. They're ready. Just like they're buying the combine now. because they need to use it tomorrow. Right. Right. There's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not like, and that's that's a that's a very far pitched thing that I threw out there. But really, when you really dive in to the combine buyer and what that looks like, if they're buying a combine in May, either the combine they have is tied up, 
it's down, it's whatever, you know, there might be some other extenuating circumstance in there. Or they just now realized, damn, we need another combine. Right. So I'm coming to buy a combine. Right. Or they put it off as long as they can because it costs so much to trade combines every single time. Sure. They dread it. They hate it. They know it's going to suck. They last minute the project. That's the, that's the other option, too. So I think at the end of the day, I mean, the combine situation is a situation that is driven by as much bad luck as as good luck. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you really think about it and, and the flow of combine, don't get me wrong, there's there's too many combines on the marketplace, right? There's too many, a lot of things in the marketplace too. Right, right. I mean, you can probably go down to like, there's probably too many rotary hoes on, com- on, on the market right now. It's a saturated marketplace. The combine deal is, it's not necessarily a saturated marketplace, but there might be one level of the trade cycle that is saturated. Yeah. It's oversaturated. Right. right? <clears throat> and, and in order to get to this area here where, where all the problems at, you have to get through, you know, you know 13 layers of, of crap to get to this place. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the problem. It's just a slow turn that gets you to where you're at. And I mean, commons are always going to be that way. They're still, that's still one of the most seasonal things out there. And yes, you can go back and you can look at all the different stuff that are out there on the marketplace and say that, you know what? We sell combines, as many combines in X month as we do as Y month, but there is still a seasonal peak, yeah. right? Right. There's still right. a peak in there, right? You might sell 15 combines in January. I promise you're selling more combines in April and May than you do in June or July. Right. Right. Now, so that's seasonal and where you're at in the country and those kind of things as, as to where crop cycles go. But at the end of the day, October through December is a peak selling time for combine. Well, October through February, at peak selling times through for combines. End of the year rush, and then the guys getting ready for the coming season. I mean, that, those that's your biggest that's your biggest run. Yeah. But you still have a seasonal peak in May, April, May, and June. You know, you still kind of have that June's kind of taper oh, off, yeah. but it's coming down there. So sometimes I feel like combines is my, are my my small little friend in the bar that everybody wants to pick on, redhead stepchild, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I think I think there's an there's a there's an opportunity there where combines have a play. You just have to know how to handle the, the washout. Oh, yeah. I get if it. If you're front loading, if you're front loading the the front side of your of your washout cycle with 250 hour combine and somehow you think that's you you put yourself into this amazing situation and there's nothing at the 500 and 750 and thousand 1500 level you don't have anything there it's just like it's a boneyard and somehow you're going to go out and find 25 or 30 or 40 people to go buy these these 250 hour combines right it's just not going to happen oh yeah yeah, never. not not. I mean, it will happen eventually, but it's not going to happen. Not in, until they're five years months. old. Yeah. You know what I mean, you've got to have and tractors the same way. If you front load the entire front of your washout cycle with a bunch of one hundred hour and three hundred hour and five hundred hour tractors, and you don't have anything else, and you have just like a collective boneyard of stuff. 
you're still going to have a problem. You're going to, it's going to take you a while to get that washout cycle leveled out. Yep. So don't, there, there is, there's, there's combines have it, have a more pronounced problem. It's easy to see. Oh yeah. It's, it's the in your face problem. Right. That's why that's what everybody I mean, talks about. Sometimes the tractor's kind of like herpes sometimes. It just flares up on you. There you go. And all of a sudden, you got a problem. You get one of those cool commercials on TV with the, all good. With the chick and walking then, with the guy oh, on the beach. Damn. Like, oh, you just take this pill, and next thing you know, it's fine, <laughs> and we're all good to go. So, good times. Oh, good. All right, I feel like I've ranted enough on this podcast. We did it. We we hit it nice. <laughs> we, we did a good job tonight. <laughs> we uh, had some, some, some rants in there, so... Obviously, we don't have a have a we don't have a deal of the week this week, do we? Um, no, we're gonna take Easter off. We're gonna take Easter off. There you go. There you go. All right. So, Aaron Fintel, what's the easiest way to find you for the deal of the day that you have every day? Every day, every day is a deal day. That's right. If you're not dealing on that day, yeah. skip the day. D O D deal of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the easiest way to catch me is uh, call or text 308-760-1193. Uh, big texter, so that's cool. If you got questions or whatever, shoot me a text. Or pretty active on the uh, Ag Twitterverse at AARonFentail on there. Uh, throw a lot of deals on there and a lot of iron discussion. Yeah, there's plenty of good stuff there. So make sure you, you're not following Aaron. Make sure you follow him. There's plenty of good information that comes out of there. Plus, he posts a lot of really, really good deals out there. So make sure you check that out. If you're looking for me, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Also, go to movingironllc.com. That's where you can find all the latest information having to do with anything Moving Iron related. Uh, basically, Go there. You can see podcast number one all the way through podcast number 212 that we're in right now. There's about, I don't know, 500 and some odd podcasts that you can listen to. Also, any blogs that I have posted, you can check them out there as well. Also, go to movingironllc.com and you can find all the great stuff that you're looking for when it comes to the Moving Iron Summit. So the Moving Iron Summit is a a dealer-to-dealer networking information sharing um, extravaganza. Pretty good way to put it. It is. Right? It is. It's it's my my personal highlight of the year. Yep. So it's a good place to go meet meet a lot of dealers, put names to faces, but you also get a lot of great information from the speakers that are there. So if you're interested in that, go to uh, movingironllc.com and you can check out the uh, Moving Iron Summit tab at the top. Click on that. All the speaker information, the agendas, all those things are all out there. How to register for the meeting, hotel rooms, all those kind of things. So check that out. Good place to go. If you get any questions about that, you can hit me up at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. And uh, I will get back to you with any uh, any information you might have. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Aaron Fentel. Thanks, Casey and Aaron. And thanks again to Primus by Basic Software for sponsoring this podcast. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels. Find more from him in the print magazine and on farm-equipment.com slash ask the expert. 
You can keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and Aaron, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening. <laughs>